Welcome to episode nine of In the Pen. I am your host, Cal Nelslinger, joined as always by Rick Graham. Rick, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited for, you know, we don't talk about a lot of other sports, but, you know, Celtics game tonight, game one, Eastern Conference Finals. Excited for that, as well as, you know, some more baseball as my Red Sox are down nine to one right now in the second inning. Yeah, in my non-baseball news, the Rangers pulled off a 3-1 deficit and were able to win three straight to beat the Penguins, so I'm excited about that. And the Yankees are one of the best teams in baseball right now, so life's pretty good for me. I can't really complain. I know you are at least got one, so that's a a good start. Um, We'll keep the bad theme going Is on today. Before we get into our main topic, we're going to dive into some of the closers who have been struggling as of late, including my unfortunate Araldus Chapman and a few other closers who had a rough week. You know, we won't do as much of our committee search because there wasn't as much of developments in this that week. So we'll just go into some of the struggling closers. And we're going to dive into some pitchers who have had defined pitch use changes who are really standing out. Rick did a great job putting together a bunch of those on our notes and in his article this week. So we're going to dive into some of those guys, some big name closers, and go into some of the under the radar middle relief setup type guys who are worth monitoring because of this trend as well. So, But as we always do, we're going to start off with what we're call, now calling up three up, three down. Just our risers and fallers, but figured a little baseball theme. So, Rick, three up. Who are, it doesn't have to be three, but let's go, let's say that. Who's rising up in your rankings this week? Yeah, I had nothing. No one really made, there wasn't any major changes, and no one really went flying up the, the list this week. But uh, David Bednar, I think, is a notable one. Um, just continuing to, you know, be that shutdown closer for Pittsburgh. He's going to be there. I mean, right now he's probably their all-star, you know, candidate for for the all-star game. He's their, arguably their best pitcher, maybe player right now. I I mean, and, you know, Chris Stratton's fallen out of the picture. So it's like Bednar is the closer there. You know, it's with a Pirates reliever closer. You may They may not win a game every week, so you might not always get you know a ton of value from him but he's not going to hurt you he's going to add strikeouts um so yeah i'm really excited for him um i like notable down the end of the list i put paul seawald up a little bit just because he's still like i feel he's in like another tier compared to diego castillo and certainly drew steckenrider and they're still like you know playing games with the, all three of them, I think may have had saves in the last week or so, but I've just Seawald's clearly the best reliever there for now. And I feel like he may at some point, maybe they just pick a guy like him and go with it. I mean, if not, he's going to get you, you know, good ratios K's and, you know, a save or two here and there. Um, I guess Hansel Robles would be the third one just because he, we got at least some sort of idea for who the Red Sox would turn to in the ninth inning. And he f- converted his second save um, Monday night. I'm not overly excited about that, but <laughs> he's a closer on a team that is better than what they've shown so far. So, you know, there's- are they, are they, no. as I no, said, as a Yankee I- fan, yeah. I, I just, I mean, I, as Nathan Evaldi allows five home runs in the second inning tonight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, Robles is just really not exciting, but he's a closer. So, you know, 
if you're in a league where it's really hard to find saves, a roto league, a deeper roto league, then I guess Robles has to be on your radar now. Is he the favorite now in Boston, or is it still shrug the shoulders? Or would you be putting him ahead of Deekman and how you'd prioritize Boston relievers? Or yeah, it's definitely ahead of Deekman at this point. Um, it's really t- I, he's the he's the favorite there. I, I don't think anyone's really shown that they're gonna you know contest him. Matt Strom's been pretty good this year. I feel like he mm-hmm. deserves a chance maybe, but I just that's again not something to get overly excited about, but I feel like you know, he's kind of deserved a, at least a chance. So if something happens with Robles, then I think Strom might be the next guy, but they really need help somewhere else. It's worth noting for this series too when you mentioned Diego Castillo and uh, Paul Seawald. Drew Steckenrider was placed on the restricted list prior to their game in Toronto this this series. We don't have to go into why, but if he's going to be unavailable, that makes uh, a much easier path for saves for someone like Seawald or for Castillo. So if you need someone for just this series, you want to play the hot hand, go out and get one of those two Seattle relievers. They could make a, make a difference this week. Hopefully they're able to get at least one when you that three or four head monster is now one head less. Yeah, I I did Castillo too. He's had, he's had a bit of a rough start, but I just I notice he he's got the highest bab up in baseball right now among relievers. I think it's at 450. So he you know, he's had some bad luck, but you know, we we've seen Diego Castillo be pretty consistent, and pretty pretty good in this league for, you know, the past few years. So wouldn't be too concerned about his slow start. So yeah, either one of those two this weekend make for a, for a pretty good, you know, dart throw. Yeah, and Bednar, we've been hyping up all season, so continue to go get him. I would agree with you. Chris Stratton's kind of fading away, and Bednar is the favorite for saves for however long this lasts until maybe the trade deadline, but we're still far away from that where that's nowhere near anyone's mindset right now. But as always, as you go from three up, three people got to go down. So who has moved down in your ranks in the past the past week? Yeah, it's a a little bit. It's I would say minimal, but Liam Hendricks. I bumped him down a little bit this week because you know it's been it's been go- ongoing. It hasn't been you know I thought May would have been where he turned the corner here, but yeah, it's I don't want to say it's starting to concern me, but it's it's not great. It's not what you when you put that sort of draft capital into you know drafting him on your. You know, in your, in your draft on your draft day, you were hoping to get you know, kind of that's him and Josh Hader were like one and two. You know, they're you know nothing to worry about. Locked in, you know, just getting saves, low ratios, bunch of Ks. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a concern. He's you know, age is a thing. He's had some back back issues, um, but I will say I, he had a really good outing yesterday or Monday night of this week. Um, look good. He threw fifty percent fastballs, fifty percent breaking balls, which is I think where he kind of has to start trending towards. And we'll get more into the, that a little bit later with you know talking about pitch, pitch use, usage changes. Um, but yeah, overall not concerned with him. Definitely not concerned like with him as far as this next guy goes with Mark Melanson, who I think is probably at this stage done. I, I 
He's had a good run. I mean, I looked it up today. It's crazy that he is fourth in saves since from 2011 to 2021. He was fourth in baseball in saves. So, I mean, he's had a great career, especially considering he's not like a, you know, he's not the guys that were in front of him, you know, or all this Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, guys who throw upper 90s and get huge strikeout numbers. You know, Melanson's just doing it, getting ground balls and limiting hard contact and but he's his stuff's down this year. He, they're going to reevaluate the position. I just it could be the end of the road for him. And uh, Joe and Duran moved down a little bit because this is just the, the committee problem. The committee factor here is still concerning. And you know, over the last week, Pagan and Tyler Duffy earned saves and Duran didn't and he you know he pitched the prior day where Pagan got his save so he wasn't available but I just feel like this not positive but it could turn into a three-headed committee kind of like you know what Seattle's doing and that would be unfortunate considering the potential upside you could have gotten in Duran if he were the closer there. How much did it pain you to drop Duran? We all know that you may be <laughs> one of the biggest Duran troopers easily on our staff, let alone in the fantasy baseball industry. But how how much did that pain you to lower him? Lower? A little, yeah, it did. I mean, I I just want to see like a week where he just takes over. I mean, it, to be fair, D- Duffy and Pagan haven't pitched. They haven't pitched bad. They. I guess they don't deserve to just be exiled and like not have a chance here. But I mean, we, you see, if you just, I mean, anyone who's seen Duran pitch, it's like, you, you just, you, you want to, you want to watch this guy finish off games and, you know, get the last three outs as a fan more than anything. Yeah. Hendricks, there's not much action. We're going to be able to take with him. It's been up and down, but there's no one to, uh, Who's going to be next? We just are you. You said you're not too worried, so you're holding Hendricks. If you're rostering him, you're not trying to sell on name value now. You still buy that he could be that top two reliever. Would you try trading him off now because of that? I would try trading for him right now. I think I think he's one of those buy low. The type of type of guy has a rough you know starts the season that typically turns it around. And if you have an if you have you know some manager in your league who's really you know upset or you know the type of manager who takes the first month as like you know the end-all be-all of what that player is going to be for that season then i think you 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 try to you know make an offer there try to get him before he turns things around uh kendall graveman got lit up the other night i don't you know i i don't think hendrix has got much competition there and finally mark melanson are you just dropping him now and if so who's the next guy in arizona do you pick up the next guy or is it just avoid full-on arizona right now yeah i ian kennedy's probably the next guy i and i think i think i mentioned it like last week that if there's some sort of committee if there's some sort of like debate between ian kennedy and mark melanson then i don't think i don't want anything to do with either one of them particularly because Neither one of them brings enough to, to, upside to really justify, you know, putting them in, in a lineup for a week and maybe they get a save, but they're not going to give you anything else. And I think, out, yeah, outside of like 16 team Roto leagues, I'm probably not even looking here. Um, and it's even outside of Kennedy, there's not, I mean, 
there's there's really not a lot to get excited about with their bullpen. So, yeah, probably a situation I'm just avoiding outside of you know, really deep leagues. Yeah, so for our sake, please just anoint Kennedy the closer so we don't have to worry about another committee and my 15 team shares of Ian Kennedy can be worthwhile <laughs> right now. But we're going to move over to some of the news. Like we mentioned, there's not much in terms of injuries or things like that. We're not going to dive into the committees this week. We're going to take a look at some of these struggling closer the past week. And we highlighted him earlier. So we're just going to do brief if we'd missed anything. But Liam Hendricks, is there anything that we didn't discuss with regards to him, anything that you're noticing outside of the injury that's concerning? I just said you want to buy buy low on him right now. Is there anything much more you want to say other than what we said earlier? Not really. I, I think the you know the basic skill stuff that he's had for the last few years looks the same and Vila was fine. Um commands a little bit all a little bit you know that's a bit of an issue he, again another high babup guys babup sitting at 375 right now um i think you know it just comes down to he might have to make a bit of an adjustment here and like a lot of these not a lot like you know a good amount of these closers on this list who have made adjustments this year and going more to their secondary stuff instead of just relying on their fastball i think especially as you age and hendrix i mean I should know. He's we have very similar birth dates. He, we're both, you know, thirty three. <laughs> he's got, you know, he's getting up there. And even though the fastball velocity is still there, it's still you, you still gotta, you know, start working in more of those those secondary offerings. And I feel like that's, I mean, his curveball slider, both good pitches, so I shouldn't be an issue for him. And I'm sure they'll make the right adjustment. Yeah, just taking a quick look at his savant, everything looks pretty similar. The one thing that kind of stands out to me, besides the drop, his K percentage dropped over 6% since last year. Swing percentage is down almost 11%. So play, mm-hmm. teams are being a lot more patient when it comes to him. So he's those pitches out of the zones he was getting Ks on are starting to be spit on a little bit more. It's probably not It's not really a major adjustment. It's probably just a little small thing he'll have to fix. I don't think this is a concern from him. That's the one thing I'm at least seeing on a very quick glance from him. That's not even concerning, but maybe can be attributable as people are just being a little mm-hmm. bit more patient with him and taking some yeah. more of those off-speed pitches. So he's a smart pitcher. He'll make those adjustments. It's not something I'm really that concerned about too long-term. But one pitcher who, as a Yankee fan, I'm definitely getting concerned about. It continues to concern me. We weren't too high on him earlier in the year, but Araldis Chapman just he continues to struggle. He came in in a non-save situation the other day against Baltimore. Gave up a home run to Anthony Santander. He took the loss against Chicago earlier in the week. Command's always been an issue, and it continues to be an issue this year. Talk, try and talk me off the ledge if you can about Araldis Chapman, but I, I'm fully just I'm getting done with him. Even though I just picked him up in guillotine, I I feel like this is just kind of who he is now. It's just. There's going to be really good weeks, really bad weeks, and you just have to, as a Yankee fan or as you know someone who's rostering him for fantasy purposes, you just kind of have to live with it, and you know it going in, and you know I'm not until he starts piling up, you know, back to back bad weeks or you know a whole month, then then I start you know getting too getting concerned, but. I guess it's yeah. There's there's just a lot of inconsistency and it's a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde act right now. Um, 
And I think this is carrying over from last year. And again, someone whose stuff's not what it was, what it used to be, used to just be able to rely on throwing 101 and, you know, getting away with it. And now he's got to be more of a, you know, he's got to locate more and he's got to use the secondaries a little bit more. And it's, it's, you know, it's been a little bit of a rough transition, but I think at the end of the day, you're mostly going to get more good than bad from him. Um, and I think the Yankees are going to have, you know, I don't think they're going to turn away from him anytime soon. Unless, like I said, he has like back to back weeks where he's just coughing up leads, but yeah, it's frustrating, but I, I'm not, not ready to really drop him yet, especially given how, you know, you know, pretty he's got a stranglehold on the on the closer role right now and i don't think that's going away and so that answers the next question i was considering about asking is there anyone in the yankees bullpen you you want to stash at this point for saves or are you still just you know just holding on to obviously you're not dropping chapman but there's anybody you want to stash or just there's better uses of stashes than chapman's replacement mm-hmm. right now probably better i think there's better uses but well, I'm curious. I'm kind of curious. I mean, I like I like Clay Holmes a lot. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's he doesn't have the swing and miss stuff that some of the other guys do in that bullpen. But like the ground ball rate combined with you know the slider whiff ability is very intriguing. Um, yeah. Know, who do you? Who, who, yeah. Who would you say in the Yankees bullpen? You watch them. A I lot. think it is. I think it is Clay Holmes. He seems to be the guy that Boone's going to. Not even the fireman role, but as the eighth inning guy right before Chapman. Luizga is coming in a lot earlier. I think Holmes is the direct guy to get to Chapman at this point. So he Ch- Holmes came in yesterday, the other day, in a one in a couple run game after Chapman was unavailable. So I think that Holmes would be the next guy. He might not have to strike out stuff, but he got some saves earlier in the season when Chapman was unavailable. So I do think that Clay Holmes is now the uh, is now the next man up there. Obviously, there are a lot of guys, so it's a concern. Mm-hmm. But if I had to put money on one, it would be Clay, Hol- Clay Holmes. Yeah, I, I think that's the right move for him if it does come down to that too. He's like a he's a bit different than like Chapman's like the big all or nothing strikeout guy and lets up some home runs where Holmes is like the, you know, sinker slider, get weak contact, get a bunch of ground balls, you know, get he gets he gets some swings and misses, I'm not gonna downplay it, but like yeah, it it'll be an interesting transition from those two. And another guy who not at the same level of Chapman, but after highlighting him last week has gone through some struggles. It's Daniel Bard last week. He only went two and a third innings, but gave up five runs over the past two and a third innings. I know we, you highlighted last week. You talked about all the good things that come with Daniel Bard. Are we retracting those or is not really much of concern right now? Well, it's a bit, I mean, it wasn't like this was totally unexpected because it's just I feel like this just comes with the territory being the Rockies closer. It's um and, and I know one of these blown saves was a road game, so I can't blame it all on Coors, Coors and whatnot, but yeah, it's I feel like you're gonna it's kind of like, you know, in a different way. It's like Chapman where you're gonna get good bard, you're gonna get bad bard, and it's been this what he's been this season. It's been, you know, I think two or three bad weeks and the rest has been good, so you know, over the long run, it mostly evens out and he gives you a productive season. But, you know, weekly leagues and head-to-head leagues, it's obviously frustrating when, you know, he puts up a week like he did last week and you, 
it's just a net negative. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Rockies just don't have anybody to me that they can turn to. I know they signed yeah, Alex Calme, but yeah. yeah, Bud Black is barely, he's used him in just middle relief, not too high pressure situations of late. So as much as, you know, you'd like to think about who might come next, it's just, I really think they don't have the options. They just have to have to stick with Daniel Bard. I think if, I think, yeah, I think Calme has fallen out of the picture. If they do look to make a change, Tyler Kinley has been pretty good this year. Um, could be a sneaky, you know, deep, deep league watch, you know, right now because he's probably between swing and miss stuff and just not, you know, Robert Stevenson has swing and miss stuff, but he lets up a ton of home runs where Kingley really kind of was able to restrict that while, you know, being productive and getting some strikeouts. So I think Kinley would be the next in line there. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't come to that because Bart has been... It's always a fun story when Daniel Bart is pitching well and he really has a season. But the last reliever that I want to talk about for this portion of the show, it's Jordan Romano. He's currently day-to-day with an illness. We saw him blow that save to the Yankees earlier last week with the with the walk-off home run to Aaron Judge. It's day-to-day. It's, it's an illness, but he has had some struggles at times. You look at the stack has page and it's pretty ugly he's getting hit very hard and you know it's kind of getting a little bit lucky of late you know he's got 12 saves which is great but do you have some concerns with the underlying stuff of jordan romano and now with this day-to-day tag coming along with him the day-to-day thing well if as long as it's just an illness don cover related i'm not too worried about it but like you said, that that Yankees game, his velo was down a little bit, and he, he was able to bounce back on his next outing. So that was obviously good to see. Um, I was still, I mean, I think it was two weeks ago I mentioned in my article that like now I would like as he's leading the league in saves. Like his stack cast profile isn't exactly you know something to get too excited about. So I thought you know now might be the time to to, to sell high on him and. If you still can, I'd say go for it. Don't just give him away. But um, yeah, I, I'm concerned with you know he's had a hist- like a history of health issues. Um, he's been like his usage this the first month of the season was much higher than it really has been at any point in his career for a month. Um, yeah, there's definitely some warning signs here and. You know the Blue Jays don't have a lot to turn to. You know, Yemi Garcia has really been struggling lately. Uh, Simber's been up and down, and I don't know if he's really a closer. So uh, he's gonna keep. He's gonna have a shot, and as long as he's healthy and not sick and available, he'll be the closer. But yeah, I'm a little concerned for the long term with him. And like we talked about at the beginning of the show, you try to pick up a Seattle reliever because of. Stacking RB on restricted list. Do you pick up Ever Garcia or Simba right now and maybe grab a save while he's day to day, or is that too much overthinking of it? I, if you're in like a you know if you're daily transactions league and a weekly head to head or something, and you want to try to get you know a save from one of them, I I guess you could tr- you could try Yimmy Garcia. Uh, I would imagine he gets the the first chance with him being day-to-day just because of, you know, his history as being a closer, but 
I don't think it's, I don't, it depends on what you're like, if you have a spot open or if you're dropping, you know, a streaming starter or something, maybe, but I wouldn't go dropping anything important, obviously. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to dive into some notable pitchers who have had massive uh, pitch mix changes, which has led to a lot of success this season, making them very worth mentioning and monitoring as the season goes on. But we'll get those guys when we get back on the In the Pen podcast. And we're back here on the In the Pen podcast. This is I am Callan, joined with Rick. We're going to dive into some pitchers with notable pitch use changes over this year. And the first one we want to talk about is a pitcher that Rick has been pretty high on in the past few years going into the 2021 season. He had him as his number one reliever in all of fantasy baseball. And now he's getting him right back into his top three and has noticed some very positive trends for him. And we don't talk about him a lot because he's very dominant, but he's worth mentioning here. That is Edwin Diaz. Rick, what have you seen from Diaz this year that has you so excited? I think, yeah, one of the things with, and it's a big trend in all of baseball, not just at the MLB level, but like at every level, you're seeing it more and more. And, you know, off speed, breaking ball usage is way up as, you know, hitters are just, you know, it's speaking as from being a hitter and when I played that, like, you know, you, you, you tend to want to sit on a fastball. It's easier to, you know, to time up and predict and to hit. So, you know, slider usage has gone way up this year. And Edwin Diaz has made a huge change. I didn't realize how how much he's changed his, his repertoire so far. So last, last season he was at 61% with his fastball, 38% with his slider. And he's flipped that this year to to fifty three percent with the slider and forty seven percent with the fastball. So now his slider is is his primary pitch, and you know, I, especially with someone like Diaz, I might be like, oh, maybe the maybe the walk rate's gonna gonna go up if he does something like this. But you know, the walk rate's steady; it's still under ten percent, which is as long as he's under ten percent with that, and he's doing he's got this like fifty fifty near you know, pitch mix. I mean, I don't. He's gonna be really hard to 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 hit, and I think he's kind of putting himself into that Josh Hader territory with like this type of change, and you know the stat cast profile and all the underlying stats have really backed that up. And his walking music might be the most electric in baseball. <laughs> I love seeing go through Twitter and see him walk, and I I would get so fired up if I was on oh, that yeah. thing at those games. Hearing him come in, it's just been an incredible season, and. It's even sparked that debate back up again of did the Mets actually win that trade for him for Jared Kelnick? Uh, we'll find out in a few years, but I don't know. It's becoming more and more of a conversation yeah. with how things have turned out. But another reliever that was traded for prior to last season is Rizal Iglesias, and he has undergone a pretty similar uh, transition in terms of his pitch usage. Rick, what have you seen from Iglesias that has you also moving him up ahead of uh, hater, uh, not hater Hendricks in your ranks. Yeah, it's not as I wouldn't say it's not as much as like Edwin Diaz, but he's he's throwing a slider more this year, and it's now his primary. He's throwing it more than any other pitch, so I'd say his slider is his new primary, and it's it's only up you know four percent, four percent, but you know he he's another one who I think there's not a lot of close a lot of closers you just get like a good two pitch mix from. Some guys have three pitches that are, but like usually they only rely on two. But Iglesias is like the kind of rare, I guess, because he was a starting pitcher before that 
you know, he's got three really good pitches in his fastball slider and changeup, and he's really been able to do a great job of, you know, mixing all three of them in and keeping hitters off balance. And I think this it's the same goes for him now. It's just it's interesting to see a slider go up even more on kind of take over as the primary and his fastball is, you know, not he's not using his fastball as much. Yeah, he's been great. And we talked about that mid that second tier of relievers earlier in, in draft season that we were trying to attack with him, Ryan Presley, Emmanuel Classe, and he's he's really emerged and it's been a lot of fun to watch, especially with how good the Angels have actually mm-hmm. been this year, where they're right in the top of that AL West or right up there of Houston. So they're gonna be right there, and that means a lot of saves for Iglesias, I think. You know he he's justifying that big pay payday that the Angels gave him this off season, for sure. So out, outside of those guys, who are some other closers? Before we get into some of the other names, to keep an eye on that have impressed you in terms of we kind of mentioned them over the shows, but let's you know mm. highlight some other other guys who have had some interesting uh, pitch changes this year. Yeah, I think I. I hadn't really realized this until I was looking at it yesterday and Giovanni Gallegos has gone through kind of a similar change to, you know, he, he was 52, 53, basically 53% fastball last year. And now this year he's, you know, 43% fastball for, and he's throwing a slider 47% of the time. So dropping the fastball and he's, he's throwing his change up 5% more this year, which is, you know, it's it always it doesn't hurt to have a third pitch even if you're coming in for one inning it's you know it's nice to have that change up to get lefties out and so far it's been okay for him so yeah Gallegos is an interesting one uh David Robertson I know he's on the COVID IL now hopefully he's back soon but he's cut down he threw his cutters 74 percent of the time last year and that's down to closer to around 50 percent and his he's using his slider a lot more and his slider isn't like your, you know, prototypical, like hard, you know, upper 80s slider. It's more of a slurvy 80. I think it comes in at 81 miles per hour around that. And, you know, that's been able to get him more swings and misses this year. Uh, we talked about Joe Barlow a little bit, throwing his sliders up nearly 15% this year, which is huge considering how hittable his fastball is. It's he's had trouble with you know letting up home runs with the fastball. Um even though he struggled recently, you know, Daniel Bart slider's up almost nine percent and it's now his primary pitch as well. Um uh, and I guess he yeah, has Scott Scott Barlow, the other Barlow is throwing his slider and curveball combo seventy six percent of the time, which is up ten percent from last year. So you know, a lot of interesting you lo- like at least I love to see you know, you still need to have a good fastball to be a good late inning reliever, but it's, you know, the game's changed a lot and you have to be able to throw these secondaries for strikes. You have to be able to get ahead of hitters with these pitches and just really trust them in any count in any situation. These guys have, you know, made some changes to, to do that. Yeah, if you have the opportunity to go acquire any of these guys at this point, you go get it. I think Gallegos is especially worth mentioning because we went through that stretch about a week or two ago where Ryan Helsley was... Mm-hmm. We were talking about him as emerging that pen with his metrics and how great he's been. But in the past two weeks, he's only been used twice. So I don't know if he's battling some sort of injury that's been undisclosed or if 
know, there's something else going on behind the scenes. But Gallegos has gotten got multiple saves in that stretch. So I think any concern we had about Helsley eating into Gallegos save opportunities has really jumped in. The same can kind of be said about Scott Barlow is we were wondering if Stalmont's been eating into his saves. Well, of late, it's pretty much been Scott Barlow, and that's about it. So I think any concern we had for those two guys outside of, hey, look at these pitch pitch usages, which are leading to success. Here's managerial tendencies that are showing the same thing, that these guys are really starting to pull away from the, the leader, pull away from their competitors in terms of getting those saves. Yeah, definitely two, two buy-low op- opportunities right now, especially... You know, St. Louis hasn't had a ton of save chances, but they're they're a good team. They're gonna, you know, Gagos is gonna have some really good weeks. So, you know, now might be the last really time the the, the last of his buy buy now window. Yeah, and we'll we'll transition this conversation. And for, before we do that, what what does the pitch usage kind of show you about a pitcher? We we know how good it is with these closers, but with some of the names we're gonna talk about in a few minutes with the middle relief or setup guys, what does that change in? pitch usage show you or how does that impact your how you evaluate a player i just i think it's always interesting for 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 multiple reasons but i i I like to see that you know even like it's like edwin diaz and rossi like rossiella gracius like they gallegos too i mean they've been really good they've been dominant relievers over the past couple years so sometimes you might think why fix something if it's you know if it's not broken but they're still trying to, you know, get better. They're still trying to improve and, you know, they're changing. So they're, they're willing to make these changes to, to, you know, see what, how, if it works out and it's working and, you know, then more power to them. And I would say, you know, someone like David Robertson too, like coming back from, you know, kind of been out of the league for a while, had some injuries, and he's had to change how he, you know, works and how he pitches. And, you know, he probably didn't want to be like a, you know, throwing a slider this much, but, you know, here, here he is at his age closing out games for the Cubs. So, you know, it's every pitcher is different. You know, some guys, not everyone's like, you know, Josh Hader or early days, you know, or oldest Chapman where you can just throw your fastball and get away with it. So seeing these guys making these big changes is, it's always, you know, a positive to me, just, just seeing them willing to, you know, change things around to, to better their game. So along those same lines, who are some under the radar relievers, either set up, setting up for their teams or kind of in the middle relief role who in your saves and holds league are worth monitoring who are exhibiting similar usage changes or something in the, those trends are making them stand out to you and are worth monitoring or even picking up in your leagues. I think when, when, when uh, Dan, Daniel Port was on, he kind of, cause he's you know, a big guardians fan. He brought up Trevor Stefan and I hadn't really realized how good of a season he's having until he brought him up and I'm like, Oh wow, this is, interesting let's see and you know looking more into it it's, it's, you see that he's throwing his, his splitter more than his slider and he's really up his splitter usage and it doesn't always have to be a breaking ball that you start throwing more you know it could be any off speed that just kind of translates into more success and yeah his splitter was pretty good the year before and i think they found like hey maybe we just need to throw this more even against righties I mean, you, you don't need to just save it for left-handed hitters so He's had a lot of success with that this year, and 
he's kind of turning into Cleveland's number two in that bullpen, I think, um, the season he's having. Griffin Jacks was a, another interesting one with, like, you know, he kind of a failed start. I don't know if he was a failed starter, but, you know, he transitioned into the bullpen this year. And he's throwing his slider about 50% of the time now, which, you know, he wasn't doing as a starter. Um, and he's really carved out a nice role. And the Twins bullpen is a middle relief, kind of long relief um, option. He's got some holds on the air. He's, I think he has a save, like from a three-inning save. But, yeah, he's he's looked good. And, you know, A.J. Puck was another interesting name. We talked about him a couple times here about a potential, being the potential athletics closer down the road. And a guy who used to be able to rely on his fastball, he's now throwing his slider about ten percent more, which is awesome. And he's had a very he's he's off to a really good start this season. And I think that's at least you know there's something there for the Athletics fans to be excited about is you know AJ Puck and what he can uh, what he can turn out being either in the bullpen or as a starter eventually. Yeah, I think those two two names. I mean, Jax is going to be. If that stuff is it's worth monitoring, but unfortunately with the committee in Minnesota, I, I don't want to see him fit more no. into that committee, but you never know. So he's worth monitoring, but especially with Trevor Stephan and AJ Puck. Class A has been dominant as well, so he likely won't be losing the job anytime soon, but especially in holds leagues, so I think Stephan's definitely worth a look or even a pickup. And AJ Puck with Oakland. We've talked about Trevino's struggles throughout the past week or so. We've talked about Jimenez, how he's eating into, into this. Neither of them are exactly brand names. They're not the big name that's like, oh my gosh, they can't lose their jobs. So I think AJ Puck, we kind of talked about at the beginning of one of our first shows was, hey, AJ Puck can maybe get some saves for Oakland. Let's see if that can come true. And especially if you're seeing these sort of signs, he's definitely worth putting on your watch list as we get further into the season. Do they make the change? Do they trade people away to get Puck into that mm. closer sort of role? So I'm putting a big fat circle around Puck's name and maybe not grabbing him yet because it's Oakland and I don't know how many holds he's going to get with that pen. But, you know, if something does happen, if another guy goes down or if the struggles continue, maybe you do take a little flyer on AJ Puck. Yeah, I'm excited. It's like one thing, you know, at least to be excited about. And Danny Jimenez has pitched well and they got to ride that out until, you know, either he sinks or swims there. But as long as he's throwing well, there's no reason to insert Puck. But I would love to see, you know, Puck that kind of, I don't know, again, like the, I'm sure there's Josh Hader comps, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he could do as the full-time reliever and full-time closer there. I'm just going for full selfish reasons. We said he can get saved, so let's get <laughs> saved know. so we can add another checklist to us being right. But in all ser- and like especially with the lefty and the hair, you can get those comparisons. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> in all seriousness, he has been great. He was a former high prospect, so there's definitely the chance that he eats in the best. And you're right, Jimenez has been great, while Trevino is not. So maybe this isn't as big of a situation as we should be making, but I'm definitely monitoring Puck and want to see if he can... Uh, eat more into this competition and yeah. it's definitely worth putting on your watch list and monitoring as these next few weeks progress. But while we're also watching out for AJ puck, what are some other things? Maybe not as closely, but what are some other things you want to keep an eye on in this next week to monitor 
and try and attack in terms of getting these saves. We've gotten forever into season, so it's getting to the point now where you want to be a bit more aggressive in terms of finding these saves. So mm-hmm. what's one or two things you're keeping an eye on and trying to attack quickly if you notice some sort of a different trend through those team? Um, I guess, yeah, you just keep monitoring some of the situations we've talked about, like Minnesota. Um, I guess I'll, I'll talk about two situations we haven't talked about. And the one that I'm most intrigued in is Miami, figuring out what happens there. Mm-hmm. It's been a quiet week for them, so we didn't really get much info to work off of other than Dylan Flora returned and got um, destroyed. So not, not great for him getting that job. Um, so, yeah, it's still up in the air there. And Cincinnati, I know it's not great the situation there, but Lucas Sims back on the IL. So is Art Warren going to finally get a chance? Are they going to try like a new name, like Alexis Diaz, or are they going to just be boring and put Hunter Strickland in the role if if it comes down to it? Um, So yeah, those two situations I'm kind of watching for this week. Do you have a favorite in that Reds battle? If you had to put money or put your, put your money where your mouth is for Reds saves. Do you have Diaz, one? Diaz intrigues me, but I, I still, I still am not ready to give up on Art Warren just yet. Um, I think he can turn things around, and like that was one of our, you know, Binkies kind of coming into the season. It would be nice to see yeah. him succeed here and take over that role because I don't. Lucas Sims is just he can't stay off the injured list. So I, yeah, I'm not really sure what to expect from him anymore. Yeah, it's gonna be. You know, it's, it's a tough one to read. I hope we can get somebody out of this. I, I do agree with you. Alexis Diaz has been pretty impressive. He's kind of been a name as you watch. And it's like, oh, mm. here's something. But, you know, it's it's Cincinnati. And if it gets to a committee, it could get to the point where we were talking about Arizona. Like, is anybody really from there yeah. worth monitoring? I guess that's one of my things I'm watching for, too, is how much longer of a leech does Mark Melanson have? And I mentioned it because I know how Arizona isn't supposed to be that great, but they keep finding ways to get save opportunities. It seems like every time I flip on a Diamondback game, Mark Melanson's blowing a save. So for my selfish reasons of having him in a couple NFBC leagues and also there's clear save opportunities coming in Arizona, I want to see if Ian Kennedy emerges out there and can finally get that job where there's somebody else that we haven't been talking about that enters that conversation or who knows, maybe they keep riding with Melanson until he really, yeah. really loses the job. But that's one. And then I'll also throw out Boston there. You mentioned Hansel Robles finding, finally getting a save again this year. Does anybody else do this? Yes, Boston's been bad. No, we're not going to find out as we're recording this because they're down 13 to 3 as we're recording this. But who knows? We've seen bigger leads get blown. So who, you know, does Boston. What's the trend out there? I want to keep an eye out there and see what's going on. And we've also mentioned the Cubs. Same thing. Robertson's still on the COVID IL. Where's that looking? I guess I'll toss it over to you as we didn't fully get into that. Mm-hmm. Has someone emerged from Chicago? I didn't see too much in the past yeah. week, but did you see anything differently that I missed? It looks like Rowan Wick's going to be the, the guy for now. But um, again, yeah, it's it's a tough situation where you don't really know how long that's going to be and Wicks pitched pretty well this year, but still not someone where I'm jumping out of my seat to go grab um, anytime soon. I'd rather honestly rather take, I'm looking at Alexis Diaz right now and 
this he's got a he's a hundredth hundredth percentile fastball spin rate this year. I didn't kind of kind of um perked my ears up a little bit. So interesting a lot of interesting numbers from him and if it's not gonna be Art Warren and I can't be Hunter Strickland because he's just not he doesn't just, he hasn't pitched well enough to, to, to earn the role. I, I I think Diaz might be a really deep sleeper option right now. So I will wrap up the show with this. As we're recording this, Art Warren did get a save opportunity in Cincinnati against the Cleveland Guardians, and he blew it. They were winning 4-2 in the bottom of the ninth, and he gave up two Uh, runs. So, well, maybe your boy Diaz is going to get another look. He hasn't hasn't pitched yet, but if this game goes to extras, maybe he gets his chance to emerge. Maybe he gets a chance to impress manager David Bell. So keep an eye on that. But for all this stuff and more, take joinwanna2pitcherlist.com. You will find Rick's closer rankings, the saves plus holds rankings, the reliever article every single day recapping what we've missed, what we've ta- saw from the night before, all those reliever trends. So definitely keep an eye on those. Rick, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to ask you directly in terms of reliever questions? Uh, you can find me at I am Rick Ram on Twitter. Yep, you can find me at Callan underscore Slugger and follow the show at In The Pen Pod. Drop a like, drop us a follow, give us a review on your favorite podcast app or on the Pitcherless Fantasy stream. It's a great way to tell us what we need to improve on and maybe have Rick stop talking about his dang Red Sox for once. <laughs> but that's going to do it for this episode of In The Pen. I am Callan, he is Rick, and we will see you next week where hopefully... Hopefully for Rick's sake, he'll have some more happy stuff to talk about his Red Sox, but probably not. <laughs>